And so, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ preached two thousands at a time. Well, in Luke chapter 19, let's go there for just a moment. Luke chapter 19, again, we're not going to go into great detail because these are very familiar uh, passages and accounts of Scripture. But not only did the Lord Jesus preach to the multitudes, we can call that, and I mean this sincerely, we can call that mass evangelism. The Lord did. And he said, come unto me, all ye that labor, speaking to hundreds, thousands. He invited them to trust him. So there's a place for that, obviously, preaching to the multitudes. But then in Luke chapter 19, there's one of many examples of the Lord Jesus with his one-on-one ministry, speaking to one individual. Many examples of that. One of the, this is one of the famous, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. He, Zacchaeus came down. Zacchaeus climbed up the tree. You know that. He wanted to see Jesus. And the Lord went to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. There in Luke 19, verse 5. And, and Zacchaeus came down and, and received the Lord into his house. And, and as we know, he had more than just received him into his house. He received him into his life. Verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You know, Zacchaeus was a publican, a tax collector. He cheated people many times. And he said to the Lord, I've given it all back. Now, he didn't get saved because he did that. He did that because he got saved. And that was the first testimony. And again, another subject, maybe someday, I keep saying someday, someday, and all these days, all these days are going to be gone. But it's, it would be interesting to notice in Scripture, first responses of those who trusted Christ. There was those who truly trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. There was an immediate response. And here's Zacchaeus. I'm, giving, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to give back everything I've ever taken. Now, did he have to do that? No, not to be saved. But it showed a great change in his life because he was willing to do that. Verse 9, Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Now, that, that would be a tremendous, tremendous embarrassment and, and ang- would stir anger in the hearts of people to call a publican a child of Abraham. Harlots and publicans were the two most despised people in the Lord's day on the earth. And so he said, he's a son of Abraham too. Now more so. In fact, he's, obviously he's talking about now he's, he's a son, a spiritual son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. All right, let's go back to the book of Matthew chapter 9. We'll see Christ's compassion and Christ's commandment. Again, it has to do with getting up Getting the gospel out to those who need it. All right, um, Matthew chapter nine. Again, it's a pretty familiar passage of scripture. We want to emphasize two things here. In, in verse thirty-five, it says Matthew nine thirty-five, and Jesus Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So here he is again, he's preaching to multitudes. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scared abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Words, the Lord Jesus was moved at their lost condition. Now, it's interesting when it says he saw the multitude. In other words, he paid attention. He perceived the multitude. Not just a you know a bunch of blank faces or un, you know just random group. He, he saw them as they really were. Sheep without a shepherd. 
And so then here's his command. Then saith he to his, unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. And so that's something every believer can do. Pray. Pray that God will send labors. Now it's interesting, these 12, 11 of them became laborers. And of course they knew from the very start that's what Jesus was calling them to do. And the Apostle Paul several times asked for prayer for his ministry. And especially 2 Thessalonians that brethren pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. So we pray. And Jesus said, pray for the spread of the gospel. Pray for labor. Pray for the word to go out. Everybody can do that. Every believer can do that. All right? And so keep that in mind. I mean, that's an encouragement. I mean that as an encouragement. And it's a blessing for people to pray for those who are going out and for God to send out more. All right? All right, then we have his commission in Matthew 28. Again, very familiar. And um, Matthew chapter 28. You need to be reminded. Matthew 28 and verse 18, it says this. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations that evangelize, give the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So the Lord gave this commission, the end of the world, the end of the age, the idea of that word is, the word aeon, to the end of God's program, to the end of the age. So that would be, for us, it would be the end of the church age, the rapture. And so that commission is in force, right? You can remember that. Realize that we have that responsibility as believers, as local churches, and so on, to, to carry forth the great commission. For Jesus said, I will build my church. And you see in the book of Acts, as they obeyed the Lord, Everywhere they went, they preached the gospel, and churches were established. That's part of God's plan. And what does something that happened? There are those today who say that we no longer need churches and all those kinds of things. Not so. Until Jesus returns, there will be a desperate and great need for Bible-believing churches to organize and to, to do um, the work of God. All right, let's go to the book of Acts. Number, number one, Christ's ministry. Number two, Christ's promise. The Lord Jesus Christ gave a promise to his disciples, but there certainly is an application to us as well on how we need it, how we need it. In this day, um, we cannot possibly accomplish God's work without this, and that, of course, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And again, you see there's that progression. Everybody's probably familiar, familiar with that. You've heard messages and lessons taught on the spread of the gospel. And the disciples there, you know, starting in Jerusalem, and then Judea's next, and then Samaria's next, and then the world. And so... Um, that, and, and again, every 
every church, every believer, we all have a Jerusalem. And we're responsible for our Jerusalem. We're also responsible for Judea, Samaria, you know, for the world in, in different ways. And, and sometimes it may be through our church, someone going out from this church to another area to preach the gospel. Um, it certainly is through supporting missionaries. It certainly is through praying. And, but in doing all those things, we must remember never to neglect our church of God out. And so, again, the, the, the Holy Spirit of God is the one who energizes the one who gives power as we witness. Now we have so therefore we have two <coughs> powerful tools, if you will. You know, we have the Spirit of God living in us, dwelling in us, and He will give us power, but then also we have the Word itself. Because Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, yes, the Spirit of God uses the Word, and, and yet the Word of God is powerful itself. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful. Right? So the power is also in the Word, the power to transform, and so on and so forth. It's there. And of course, the Spirit of God and the Word of God work together. The Spirit uses His Word all right, to accomplish His plan and His purpose. All right, Acts chapter 13 we see one area, one small, not about, I mean, small as far as a portion of Scripture or as an isolated incident, but huge in God's plan. Because you see, as you go through the book of Acts, there is a general, there is a general progress and process of getting the word out. It started in Jerusalem, then it got into Judea, then it got into Samaria, Acts chapter 8, so on. <clears throat> then it got into, began to go to the uttermost parts of the world. Acts chapter 13, we can call this the sending of the first missionaries. Alright? Acts chapter 13, again it's very familiar, but notice that in verse 1, notice what it says. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. So by the time we get to chapter 13, the gospel began to spread so much that there was a church in Antioch, a couple, so 100 miles away from Jerusalem. So the word was beginning to spread and, and do its work. And so they were in that church, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now Simon, that was called Niger indicates that he may have been one of the first black individuals to be involved in the ministry. Right? That's not, there's a meaning connected with that word Niger. And so these men are there. They're in the church. Notice it says, verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they all, they had also John to their minister. There was John went along as a helper, as a servant, as an, as an assistant, as we would say today. So uh, God called the Holy Spirit, worked in there, in that church, and said, separate me, these two men, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto 
and called them. So they did. They prayed. And they did what churches do today, Bible-believing churches. They had a commissioning. These, these are all biblical things. They had a commissioning service. And they laid hands and they prayed. And they sent them away. They released them. All right? The Spirit of God sent them. They recognized the hand of God. And they went along with the hand of God. And they sent them. They released them. Of the rest of the book of Acts focuses on Paul's missionary journeys. Okay, this is number one. Most of you, a lot of you anyway, in the back of your Bibles, you will find a section with maps and things. And usually there's a map of Paul's four missionary journeys. And you can trace how he went. And, well, you know, just sometimes it might be great just to open that up and take a look at that and realize what this man accomplished for Christ in his lifetime. The coming, uh, Lord willing, uh, this next come, next Lord's Day, and they're getting ready to go to Africa and serve there, every coast. And so, it's biblical. Alright, let's take a look at um, some examples. One more, really, one more example of a man. We're going to take a look at the, the what led to the ministry of Philip. So let's go to Acts chapter 8. Um, Acts chapter 8. And Acts, the, the end of Acts 6 and all throughout chapter 7 is the trial of Stephen and he was eventually stoned to death for preaching the gospel. And uh, that reminds me too that we need to remember there are those all over the world today who are being put to death for, for being Christians, for preaching the gospel. And so um, we need to remember our persecuted uh, brethren and sisters in prayer um, very much so, very much. Every, every day, let's be encouraged to do that. But in verse chapter 8 of Acts, verse 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death, that is Stephen's death. And Saul was not yet Paul, he was not yet saved. And at that time, <clears throat> there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So you read the first few chapters of the book of Acts and realize that the church of Jerusalem probably numbered about 15 or 20,000 people by this time. It mentions 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. It mentions 5,000 another time. And it keeps saying more and more being added to the Lord. So now the church at Jerusalem goes from like 20,000 to 12. Right? Because they all, so all they were all scared about all that was left were the apostles. Interesting. Interesting there. Obviously, that was uh, attempt, you know, by the devil, by the unbelievers, to, to uh, halt the ministry and, and stop the spread of the gospel. But God used it to do just the opposite. God used it to even more, even to further spread the gospel. And um, let's skip down to verse four. Remember, now, note, remember, these were not the apostles. These were not missionaries. These were not. These were. Notice verse four. Therefore. They that were scattered abroad, you know, all over, went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. We would today, probably not a good thing to use, but we have the idea we talked about, you know, ministers and lay people, all right? And that's not really, that can be confusing, but so these were considered the lay people. These were the congregation. They were out. They had been scattered abroad. <clears throat> and so as they did that, 
They didn't try to find a place to hide. They, they didn't say, you know what, we better not talk about this anymore. We might get in trouble. No, they were everywhere preaching the word. Now, it's interesting, the word preaching there is the word evangelizo, where we get our English word evangelist or evangelize. So, we could say they went everywhere evangelizing. And the word, also, the word means to preach the good news, to declare the good news. Obviously, this is not talking about a pulpit ministry. Now, again, we need those. We need Lord's Day services and other things to, to publicly worship God and proclaim the word and all those things. But we need to understand in God's plan, if God's plan is going to be carried out fully and we're going to see results, the evangelistic work has to be done outside these walls. Not just Sunday morning or even Sunday night. It has to be done every day. By, by who? By those who are out there. Okay? And that's what these people did. They went everywhere preaching the word. So, praise the Lord for that. So then that brings us to the ministry of Philip. And that's the last uh, specific ministry that we're going to look at today in that closing passage. So in Acts chapter 8, once you notice, here's Philip. And Philip was one of the seven who was chosen in chapter 6. And then now, he is one of the ones that's been scattered abroad. And at the end of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 21, he is referred to as Philip the Evangelist. So he's one evangelist who is named by name, but we know there are more because the Ephesians 4 says he gave some evangelists. So evangelism. So here was a man. So let's take a look. First of all, he preached in Samaria. Verse 5. Then Philip went down. This is Acts 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So he preached in the city. Preached in Samaria. And the people with one accord. Here's, here's he's preaching to the multitudes. The people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that possessed them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Which obviously there will be and would be when there is that kind of an evangelistic a campaign, if you want to call it that, or, or that type of evangelism is being done, there's joy because people are saved and there's great joy in the city. Of course, verse 9 following, the, the opposition arose, Simon the sorcerer, we won't take time to win that except to real, understand this, that there is always opposition to the gospel. That doesn't, and that's not, you know, some people take that to mean, well, maybe we should stop. No, that's never the, that's never the reason, okay? It's never. Um, the devil, God allows Satan to throw up things to try to stop the work. And yet oftentimes, as in the case of the persecution, God turns it around and causes the gospel to spread more, right? And there's a sense that we've seen that over this past year or so, this the P word, I hate to even say it, I've heard it so many times, it makes me sick to my stomach. But anyway, uh, churches have found other ways to get the word out during this time. Right? Hopefully this time is coming to an end. So anyway, but churches and individuals have found different ways to get the word out. We've been using Zoom, trying to anyway. We've used sermon audio and different things like that. 
I mentioned the Dubishas, they're waiting to get back to India, but while they're waiting, they're just not sitting around doing nothing. They're speaking in churches as opportunity presents itself. They're also using their net, using computer means to still preach to the folks of India the gospel and teach pastors and all those kind of things. In fact, every pastor I've talked to, every church I know of, Bowling Church, has found ways to actually increase, maybe not publicly, but throughout different means, to get the word out. And so, praise the Lord for that. God's hand is in that. Right? He's, it certainly is. So, so Philip preaches there in Samaria, great results, people saved, joy in the city. And then we find that not only did he preach to the multitudes, he also preached to individuals. And this is the case in Acts chapter 8. The Lord said to him, down in verse 26 of Acts 8. <clears throat> Acts 8, verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. That's the same Gaza we hear about today, where the kind of fighting and stuff goes on, uh, which is desert. So, Alright, so just think about this. Here's the situation. Philip has been in the city of Samaria, preaching the multitude, great things. Then the Lord says, Go down to the desert. Go to the desert. So the Bible says he rose and went. Verse 27. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, and a eunuch of great authority under Candace, a queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. So here's this Ethiopian. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So somehow, this man of Ethiopia, this man from Africa, had come to know, believe in, the true God. And so, he came to worship. And he's returning. But, you know, he just didn't go up there and worship and say, okay, that's good, I've done my duty, I've put in my time, I'll just go home now and get back to my duties. No, as he's returning, he's riding in the chariot, and he's reading the scriptures. So here was a man, obviously, who could read, Probably read probably Hebrew language, um, reading the Old Testament scripture, most specifically reading the book of Isaiah. Obviously, whatever whatever reason, maybe because the book of Isaiah was used often in the synagogue, in the temple, it was one of those scriptures that was referred to a lot. Um, he may have heard something read there, uh, and he thought, I want to know, I want to investigate or look into this more, whatever the case may be. He is reading the absolute perfect book he could have read, the book of Isaiah. And you know that we've talked about that, how the, the book of Isaiah presents the gospel so clearly, perhaps more so than any other book of the Old Testament. In fact, it's been sometimes, over the years, it's been referred to as the fifth gospel with Matthew, Mark, and John. But so he's reading it. And you know, you know the story. Philip goes up there, and he asks him if he can understand when he's reading, Eunuch uh, said, How can I, except some man should guide me? There's another, there's a, there's a lesson, there's an application right there. God may, can use us and wants to use us to guide somebody in their understanding. So, anyway, um, so he's reading, he's actually reading from the book of Isaiah 53, one of the great prophecies of the death of Christ and suffering, his suffering for our city. Of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? So he says to Philip, who is he talking about? 
Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And you know the story. As they go along, they come past the body of water and the Ethiopian requests to be baptized. In verse 37, And Philip said, If thou believest all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. His testimony of Christ. Being the one promised in Isaiah. All those things. Confessing him as Savior. He got baptized. And the Bible says in verse 40, Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So Philip began his ministry as a, as a traveling evangelist and preached on the word of God. And so publicly and privately, let's turn to Acts, or Romans chapter 10. This is the last passage. And I'll give you some hints and things that hopefully you can use to help spread the gospel, to be a witness. And I'm really, I'm hoping that we'll, that we'll get everyone to profit from this message um, and we realize that there's a lot of things that we can do from where we are and things that we ought to do. Now let's take a look at Romans chapter 10. Verse 13, we'll start there. Very brief, just a recap. We read this for our morning scripture reading. Verse, chapter 10 of Romans, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To call upon the Lord. And that's the idea of asking for help. It's, a, it's the idea of appealing, that calling upon. It's the idea of appealing for help, for deliverance, for rescue. It's like a dying, drowning person in the middle of a, of a lake calling, Help, help, help me! I'm drowning. That, that's the idea. So it's another, in other words, a person who understands the peril they're in, the danger they're in, because of their sin. Right? It's not Jesus will give you a better life if you pray this prayer. No, that's not it at all. It's the idea they have to be convinced of their lost condition, their sinfulness, their lostness, and their all, all those things that the Bible says. So whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, how then? Shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You have, to have, you have to believe before you can call. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? But then the answer is they can't. They won't. And how shall they hear without a preacher? In other words, with someone to tell them. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad times of good things. And so, there's a special application here to those evangelists, missionaries, so on, those that God sends. But there's a sense in which God has sent all of us. We're all commissioned. We're all given the opportunity, the privilege of giving out the word of God. And so the idea of that word sent is more about the message than about the messenger. Right? Get that out. So how beautiful are the feet that have preached the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Well, I hope that we desire to be a witness for Christ and not to ignore the task. All right? it's, there's opposition. It's not easy. Um, but we need to do this. And here, so I've jotted down, I think there's seven things here. And you might be able to add more. But there's seven general things that, uh, that we can do um, to help get the gospel to those who are around. And the first thing I want to, to, want to mention is the is to pray. Pray. Everybody can pray. 
And I understand looking around. Some, some of you, I don't want you to give me any, any excuse, but there are some of you who are not able to go. Understand that. Right? Well, you can pray. You can pray. But a second thing is to ask God to give you a heart for people. Um, ask the Lord, I guess, along with that, we need to, to, to ask God to help us see the importance. We all have, you know, we have some of you work, you know, we have jobs, we have things. I can understand that there, there are things more important than our earthly occupation. Um, there's more, there's things more important than our daily routine. And so we need to ask God to help us to have a heart for people and be willing to, to give time. And in this day, we talked about this, a couple of individuals have come to me about this. We need to be willing. For lack of a better term, we need to be willing to cultivate relationships with others. We're living in days of confusion. We're living in days of suspicion. People have, I've had people tell me, and I'm thankful for their honesty. You're just here for our money. No, we're not. That's the idea. Well, where would they get that idea? Probably because they watched some guy on TV or listened to someone on the radio that spent the whole time begging for money. And these gimmicks and programs, all those kinds of things. We're not after their money. And I, I don't know if I'm out of line to say this, but I, I'm glad that the offering plate is in the back and we don't pass it anymore. We haven't done that for over a year. And uh, we can talk to the treasurer. It hasn't affected our giving one bit. People are still giving. Why do I say that? Because I, I've been, always been uncomfortable. A visitor comes for the first time and they get a plate shoved in front of their face. They're after my money. See? So I hope we keep it that way. You can fire me if I don't lie, but, you know, really, seriously. Um, but a heart for people. Cultivate relationships. I know it takes time. I look at myself, 66 years old, how much more time have I got? Doesn't matter, you can't let that. We, we always think, that, oh, it's going to take time, I'm busy, blah, blah. You know what? Cultivate relationships with people. Now, here's, I'm putting a number, this one here, because this is the ultimate, all right? This, all these other things we're going to put written down here are, are supplemental to the big one. This is, not, this is it. Personally, open God's word to somebody. All right, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's, that's how people are both, most often going to be saved. And so everything we do needs to be geared toward that opportunity to sit down and open the scriptures and say, now this is what you must do to be saved, all right? That's, let me put that, that's the goal, all right? So, here are some ways that we could maybe get to that goal. Make phone calls, right? People still call. There's still a place for calls. Call somebody on the phone. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's somebody already know, whatever, cohort, whatever. Just call somebody and show, let them know you care. Now you're going to think this is kind of strange coming from me, but this is what I mean about cultivating relationships. Hello, neighbor, this is Pastor Myers. Did you know you're going to hell? That's not the way to cultivate a relationship. And you don't need to do that on call number one. In fact, that's not witnessing. You haven't witnessed to somebody if all you say is you're going to hell. That's not witnessing. Give the gospel, but make a call. Next, send cards. 
and letters. People still do that, right? It, I mean, I still do get a letter once in a while, not very often. I still get a card once in a while. Most of my letters come from inmates. That's okay. That's okay because there's, we're cultivating a relationship. Let's send a card to somebody because if it's their birthday, if it's their anniversary, or if you know that they've had a hard time, you know, maybe their house burned, maybe whoever, whatever. Send a card. Say, hey, we care. I care. Send emails. If you have it. If you don't, do the card and letter thing. Use your phone. But you can send emails. You can get on some of the social media thing. And again, I would just caution you about some of those things. Just do it in the right way. Again, I see people putting things on Facebook and Christians. I thought, oh, no, that's not the way to influence. That's not the way to win people. Just putting stuff on, on there about how awful everything is and everybody's condemned and you know everything's bad. I realize that. Think there are things, there are bad things, but not everything's bad. We need to get out of that, men, that gloom mentality. There's a lot of great things. God is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is still the Savior. The gospel can still save. There are churches in existence who are preaching the word of God. And so the work is being done. So I encourage you. But, but send emails. You, I don't even know. People ask me, do you... And I say, what? <laughs> do you face chat? Like, what's that? I mean, they, t- they ask all these things, okay? And um, anyway... But use the, the things that you have as a, as a testimony to people. All right? Another one, give out tracts. Give out church brochures. And again, these are not, you know, these are gold. These are to reach that goal of getting the gospel out. Um, Tracks, I carry tracks, we give them out, and for me, that's like an initial thing. If I, do, if I don't think I'm ever going to see the person again, I'll give them that. But that's not the end. To me, that's, to me, that's never enough. It's, 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 enough. it's hoping, you know, it, it's, it's hope that that will open up further opportunities. Okay? But do that. Give out literature, church brochures. And then, you know, pick out tracks. You know, pick out good ones. Um, I personally really like the track, the three crosses. I especially like to use that. I'll use it anytime, especially on Easter time, because everybody thinks, I'll tell them, say, you've heard the story of Jesus dying on the cross. Yes. Did you know there were two others? And some, most say yes, but some say no, I didn't know that. Well, here's a little pamphlet that will explain to you that there were three crosses and why there were three crosses, and I hope you'll read it. All right? You know, things like that. You know, Brother Wesley, one of, he has a good one. It's called, Do You Have Your Passport to Heaven? That's a really good one. Um, God's Simple Plan of Salvation. Um, and I just want to say, I used that. I gave that to Sam Smith. I, I put here, Sam, how much of, you know, we've talked about this before. I told him we've talked about it a lot. But in this track, there's a, there's a place here, and I've marked it for you, a verse I've underlined, and a place I've marked where it was an example of what to pray. If you know, if, you're, if you want to be saved, and he, he looked at it, and he kind of bowed his head and go, my, my. That's a, that's a tremendous prayer. So we can do things like that. Um, invite people to church and offer to bring somebody to church who's unchurched and maybe doesn't have a way to get here. Um, let us know. Right? Let us know um, what's going on here. I don't know what's going on. This is acting up today. So. Uh, give me a second. Um, anyway, where was I? 
Oh, yeah. You might be able to share it. I don't know if you should invite to listen to that thing or not, but we're having problems. Everybody's having problems with it. But anyway, um, and I'm serious about this. You know, if you have somebody you're concerned about and you, you want, you need help, let me know. There's been a couple times over the years I've had people come to me and say, hey, I've been, I've, got, I've, talk, I've been talking to this person, telling them how to be saved, and I'm not sure, I don't know if I can take them the rest of the way. Can you come and help? And, and that's a great thing. I even got a call one night after prayer meeting, and somebody said, hey, I've got my co-truck driver friend here at the house, and I've been giving him the gospel, he wants to be saved. Can you come up and just make sure that we get it to, you know, that we, that we finish the transaction? Anyway, so, um, these are just some things. These are things. Um, and so, again, a really vital ministry is prayer. Uh, pray to be a witness. Uh, pray for people to listen to the gospel and so on. And then I'd like to wonder how many would, would do this. I'm serious about this. How many would be willing to ask God to give you one person to minister to? One unsaved person to minister to? And not to give up on. Maybe you could pray, whatever. All right? And here's my promise. I will be praying for you. Will you pray for me also? We need, we need to pray for one another. And we just really, I just want to cope this kind of a reviving, revitalization of our effort and our interests. And we need to realize that we're all in this and every believer. And I just pray that God will help every one of us, encourage us, and if need be, convict anybody of their lack of interest. And again, you know what you can do. You know that God, God is faithful. God gives grace. And so may the Lord help us to be faithful in this area. All right? Father, thank you so much for this time we can have in our word. and pray that you use the word to speak to our hearts. Just help us, O oh Lord, to be faithful and bring before us those that, that you have even prepared to receive the gospel. We pray that we would see more people saved. We're thankful for those that have been saved in various areas of ministry. And just be with us now today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books. I don't know. Some of you probably have heard this hymn, but number 306. Uh, 306 is the stand and um, if we can be of help and encouragement, we want to do that. I'm not necessarily sure that this is a we come forward type of invitation, but just really allow the Lord to speak to your heart and give opportunities and ways to <coughs> all minister the gospel. All right, that's 306, a passion for souls. Great hand, great, great hand. Give me a passion for souls, dear Lord, a passion to save the lost. Oh, that thy love were my all adored, and welcome at any cost. Jesus, I long, I long to be Glory of pardon to 